What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the C-String Podcast, but more importantly, welcome back to Classic Rock Talk. You already knew it. You knew what it was going to be. You knew when we were coming back. This had to be it. Such a long hiatus for no reason whatsoever. For what reason? For no reason. Who knows? But we are finally back, and of course, I can't do this by myself. Yes, sir. That's me. (laughs) We're back. Oh man, I'm, I'm fucking. Back. I am excited. I am very excited to be back, and I am I'm too. upset that we left in the first place. But we'll make the we'll make the most of our return, and we're hitting yep. you guys with three brand new bands, three brand new albums. As always, as always, as always, you know how it works around here. Um. So let's just get into it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything right now. We're we're jumping into yeah. it. We're going back. We're turning the clock to 1971 uh, with this uh, album and band. Technically, uh, I would be very surprised if you could guess this one. So I am not even gonna. I'm not even gonna. Not even gonna give you guys a chance. Um, this is Brave Belt. Um, yes, they, it is. They had. They released a total of two albums. Between seventy one and I think just seventy two, I think they just released their next one the next year. Um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, um, but uh, they uh, they have some pretty pretty recognizable uh, band members, uh, and that would be uh, Randy, Robbie, and Tim Backman. Yeah, um, and as well as Fred Turner. So, yeah. Uh, Four very notable names, uh, obviously from Backman Turner Overdrive, and you obviously know how uh, how incredible those guys are. And I am fairly certain we did a BTL album in season uh, in our we season did. one of uh, this little shindig here. Um, we did BTO two. See, he knows more than I do. He he's a genius. But anyways, we <laughs> are focusing. We are focusing on Brave Bill, um, and. I guess I will let you get into the uh, to the track listing. Yeah, so Brave Belt's an interesting album. I, I'm going to give the track listing here. Um, side one, we have Crazy Arms, Crazy Eyes, Lifetime, Waiting There For Me, I'm The Man, French Kiss, and It's Over. Which, I think as you were saying earlier, side one has some decent songs on it. Like, Crazy Arms, Crazy Eyes is pretty good. I liked I Am The Man. I think I think French Kiss was good, too. Um, but, uh, mm. I, as I did mention before we started, I think Side 2 is uh, where this album uh, really shines with uh, Rock and Roll Band, uh, Wandering Fantasy Girl, I Wouldn't Trade My Guitar for a Woman, Holy Train, Any Day Means Tomorrow, and Scarecrow. Um, yeah, I I certainly agree with that, and I I like, um, I like the fact that this album gives both like a rock feel and like it kind of reminds me of like how the Eagles started. I if that makes going sense. To uh, I was actually going to compare them to the Eagles, but go ahead. Like that that uh, I think it's like a bluegrass sound to it. Mm-hmm. But. It you know it sounds very it sounds very cool and it's a very easy listen if you're not like big into country but like mm-hmm. 
kind of country stuff. I think it fits perfectly into that category. I uh, and, I yeah. think to the best way I was I would have described this album to somebody who needed who wanted to know was um, this this is like a beta version of the Eagles, uh, not the Eagles after or like on the border or anything after that, but the first Eagles album yeah. and then like Desperado as well, like <clears throat> Desperado yeah. debut. Those two in particular. 100%. Um, this is like a beta version of that, and it's it, to me it almost felt like the Eagles could have seen could would have like grabbed seen this album and said, "Well, I can make we can make that, but better." That's kind of how I look at this album. Now, obviously, that's not the case. Both their debuts released in 1971, and probably around, I don't know exactly the months, but when you're that close together, it's both. Yeah, because the, they're of the both are really they're well underway. They're both 71, right? Yeah, I'm fairly positive. Uh, Eagles' debut is 71. Um, but anyways, yeah, so... if, if that's what... That's kind of the feel that you get from this album. It's um, it's very Eagles-like. And obviously, yeah. anytime you're very Eagles-like, I think that's a compliment. It's a very good thing. Um, yeah, because people hold the Eagles to a very high praise. Very high so. standard. And I would like to say, yeah. you know, in my mind, in my eyes... Um, there, I can't think of any band right off the top of my head, at least, that does harmony better than the Eagles do. Well, mm-hmm. I felt the harmony in this album in particular was uh, done very well. Yeah, hundred percent. They they did a real good job with the harmonies in this one. Yep they they knew exactly what they were doing. Very well mixed, uh, no problems there. And yes, I would have to say harmony. Uh, huge, huge uh, thumbs up from me. I think that that really elevates this album on my like on my list, I guess, um, or just yeah. in my head or in my mind. But without it, because I think without it, um, there'd be a lot of dead wood or dead time on this album. Mm-hmm. But I think they do a good job of incorporating it when it's necessary, and they're good at it. So they make it work. Yeah, and I think it, it definitely gives off that country bluegrass feel too. Having those mm-hmm. harmonies in that music, like in the way they do, I think it really helps. It really, really boosts the album. Mm-hmm. I think it does a great job, and I think I think it would be you know a skeleton, you know, a shell of itself without it. Um, yeah. But as for specific songs, uh, we already mentioned "Crazy Arms, Crazy Eyes." The uh, the t- the uh, first track i i enjoy that one um but mm-hmm. i think i think side two is really where this album makes its money or well it actually didn't make a lot of money uh back, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back it, in the day it did all right at best <laughs> at best um there's a reason they only made two albums let's just put it that way um but i think rock and roll brand is a great start to a side anytime i've noticed this we've done like maybe th- four or five albums. I can think of four on the top of my head that have mentioned or that have done a song about like rock and roll or like where rock is like the main premise of the song. And yeah. they've all been fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh the ones that come to mind are uh is it wrong to rock and roll? Uh Actually, That's, uh, we might have not done that album from Nantucket. 
We did, because that's their second album, right? Yeah, but I thought we just did their first. Who cares? Um, no, we did the first and the second. Anyways, anyways, besides the point, uh, that one comes to mind, and then the one from uh, uh, Rock Music by uh, Jefferson Air, uh, Starship. Starship. Yeah. Yep, off of uh, Freedom at Point Zero. Yes. And then obviously yeah. this one. Uh, anytime. It's it's kind of weird, but uh, it's kind of awesome, too. <laughs> I think that's a great uh, trope to have. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's self-aware, and it's kind of funny, actually. It is. Um, in my eyes. I think uh, the best track on this album uh, by a good yardstick is probably uh, I Wouldn't Trade My Guitar for a Woman. I agree. That and is. it's crazy how short it is, too. Yeah, it's, it's too short, man. <laughs> it's too short. Yeah. Um, but, I uh, I mean, it's self-explanatory. You, I mean, you don't even need to listen to it. There it is. That's the song yeah, no. right there. <laughs> um, you wouldn't trade it at all. Never. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, but then we also both agreed that they rounded out really well with Scarecrow. Um, yeah, I like Scarecrow. I think Scarecrow's a pretty close second because mm-hmm, I, I like so. that song. Uh, very, very good song. Much longer this time, and uh, that's always enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and you can obviously, we talked, we've talked about it before, but it's been a while. Uh, the B side blues can catch up to some, to some, al- to some bands and to some albums in particular. Mm-hmm. But there's absolutely not a problem here, and I, I think the B side is actually, it's, I think it's better than the A side. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I think it's really good, and I think you know if you had to ask me, hey, or if you came up to me and asked me, hey, you know that album you're making, would you rather have a you know you say it five songs on the A side and five on the B side? Would you rather have it to be a better A side or a better B side? I would probably say a better B side. I mean, as long as the A side is not like you know yeah. raccoons having sex or something. Just for three hours, <laughs> then I, yeah, would, I, I just, like that, that changes things. But otherwise, like having, I think rounding out your album with great songs is a. I think that's it's a better way. It leaves the listener off on a good note. Yeah, I agree, and I think I think you should have like crazy arms, crazy eyes is a good way to grab the attention. And then, you know, as it kind of flatlines, you know, there's still a whole another side. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it makes it rewarding that you listen to side one to get to side two. Yeah, it's it's like any form of art, like or, or form of literature, even like books or yeah. movies or something like you, you need an attention grabber. But then you can't just be boring the second half like you need to you need to keep going throughout and keep sustaining you know, you need you need a climax, and then you need to just keep going after that. And so, I think uh, overall, my point is, Brave Belt does a great job at being an overall great album with no real holes in it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But otherwise, I mean, we I could talk about the personnel and what they do, but we, I mean, you kind of already know what mm-hmm. the Backman Brothers and Fred Turner and uh, I guess we didn't mention Chad Allen. Yeah, I guess, yeah, Chad Allen is kind of the, Chad Allen left Guess Who to join uh, Randy Bachman and the, in the band, mm-hmm. and he was the Guess Who's piano player, and uh, 
obviously yeah. transferred over. He became the piano for uh, Brave Belt here. And um, I think he was, he also did co... I think he did uh, backing vocals for Guess Who, too, if I remember right. I mean, that would make sense. He does a lot of vocals in, in Brave Belt. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, man, it's it's kind of surprising that this didn't uh, this didn't do better. I'd have to say. I just I think I think after hearing like the Guess Who sound, I think people really I don't think this band really gained much notoriety simply because this was them going out on their own. Because Randy Bachman wanted to separate from just being that guitarist from the Guess Who. And, um, you know, people told him he was crazy. Like, he was nuts for leaving. Stupid. But I think he just, he wanted to really challenge himself. And I think that certainly did it. I think it did. And, you know, I, I think Brave Belt, the band, might not have, uh, you know, might not have accrued all this fame, but BTO certainly did. And... So, I, I, in my eyes, again, I'm going to compare them to the Eagles, where the first two albums are not necessarily, you know, smashed out of the park, but then mm-hmm. you, you can essentially think of, B, like, their BTO's debut album as, like, the third album of Brave Belt. Like, you can you can basically think of it like that, and so when you think about it that way, then you're like, well, well, BTO did incredible. Like, I mean, so yeah. it's not that... It's not that's I guess I was I'm, I shouldn't have said why Brave Belt didn't do so well. It's kind of the same reason that Ego's first two albums didn't do so well. I think it's just that it's it's a, it's a gaining your footing. Yeah. Or like you're getting your wings and sort of deal. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know maybe this like softer you know country rock. I mean, problem wasn't doing too well early seventies. It was other stuff, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, if you look at Pink Floyd, it took Pink Floyd for fucking ever to figure it out. Yeah. And if you if you know Pink Floyd, you know. Um, but yeah, it it took a while for that. It just takes these things take time, and mm-hmm. it's rare when you get it right on your first uh, your first yeah. go round. Uh, but speaking of getting it right on your first go round. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. We are moving on. We are we are gonna turn into some expert time travelers in this fucking video so we started in 1971 we're jumping forward 12 whole years to 1983 and uh again no no teasing here i'm just gonna get straight into it this is the debut uh that we just figured out was his debut uh the debut album for stevie ray vaughn yeah, and double trouble. Um, yeah. Uh, let's let's get into it. Obviously, Stevie Ray Vaughan is your, your he's your guy here. He's your man. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. This dude was smashing people's ears before he even had the chance to make an album. Yeah. Like, um, I don't remember how far back he was playing, but it was pretty. I, it wasn't that far back, and people yeah. were like, "Holy shit, this guy is." fucking incredible uh, this album is Stevie Ray Vaughan on guitar on, and your vocalist obviously Tommy Shannon bass Chris Layton drums that's it and yep. you know what in this instance I think less is better 
Les was fine. Les was great. Um, it's always the three-man bands. It is. I'm telling you. It is. It really, really is. It's always the three-man bands that make the loudest and best sound. It really, it's incredible. It really is incredible. Um, but let's 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 get into it. Let's. Um, I will start with side A. We start with Love Struck Baby. Oh, hold on, bro. Hold on. I didn't even tell you the name of the album yet. Oh boy. Stevie Stevie Ray Vaughan is the artist. The name of the album 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 is Texas Flood. Um, yeah. And that's the third track uh, of the album. It starts with Love Struck Baby, then it goes to Pride and Joy, then Texas Flood, then Tell Me, and then Testify. And then on mm-hmm. the B side, we start with Rude Mood, Mary Had a Little Lamb, Dirty Pool, I'm Crying, and Lenny. Um, yeah. I would kind of let you describe what this album kind of uh what the sounds of this album kind of make okay so we had this theory that the whole album is based off of the idea that this guy you know this main character um you know likes a girl obviously with like the first two songs it's pretty clear that he likes this girl or a girl or something and then we don't quite get the message, but what we understand is, like, Texas Flood isn't necessarily about a flood. It's more of problems maybe from the guy's past life or, you know, what he did a few years back, coming back to get him, and the flood sweeping him away into trouble. And so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, we don't really get the full picture, but... That's our that's our guess. Um, okay. Hold on one second. So I just I just read and saw that this album was produced in three days. Holy shit. He made this in uh, across three days. November twenty second, twenty third, and twenty fourth. In 1982. Uh, that's it. And I think. I think it actually. Yeah, he just had one mic on everything. Uh, wow. I'm reading more about this and I'm. He just had the uh, he had an SM57 on his guitar amp, uh, and the only effect he used was a tube screamer. Which, if you don't know oh. what that is, it's like it's a guitar overdrive. Uh, it's like a pedal, like think of a piano pedal, but yeah, for a guitar, and it puts in like over. Anyways, sorry. Um, wow, that is crazy. Three days is all this album took. Uh, that's incredible, because I think it's uh, an amazing album. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, haven't really even got into the uh, album itself yet. But a common theme... I guess we'll... I get, uh, common theme is... Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. You have a Stevie Ray Vaughan, like, lead guitar, and it's it, you've got, like, a riff that will play over the course of a track. 
story yeah. and eventually kind of repeat itself. Obviously, he's gonna he adds flair into there. He mixes it up, obviously. But they, there's this kind of repeating riff with his lead guitar. There's a consistent bass, basically mm-hmm. throughout the whole whole of the track. There's an exception here, and the main exception exception is Texas Flood. Um. Uh. Otherwise, kind of the same bass throughout the whole song, and then. What I notice is he likes to uh, he likes to get very creative at, right at the end of the track. Yeah, uh, right at the very end when it's like, oh, what's the opposite of crescendoing? Is it just? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm I just, don't remember. But, I don't remember, bro. Um, but like right yeah, when it's his, uh, his playing is very reminiscent. So I'm a I'm a big Chicago fan. It reminds me a lot of Jimi Hendrix and Terry Kath, where there's there's chords that drive the song, but he also likes to go off on his own and do his own thing. Mm-hmm. Like he likes to noodle off and like play something while the chords are still going in the background, the bass and like the drums are still steady in the rhythm. Yeah, they're still steady. He likes to break loose and uh, like yeah. yeah. I I can think of. That that happens in. I, I'm thinking about all these songs. He does that in every one of them. I can think of the exact moment in both "Love Struck Baby" and "Pride and Joy." I can mm-hmm. think about it in "Testify" and "Rude Mood." I I I can think about it in "Mary Had." Like he I he does it so often. It's it's impossible to miss. But I mean, how else would you create? instrumental sounds out of this album besides that because you only have that guitar the bass and the drums yeah so what else would you do it's almost it's almost like the guitar is speaking on like especially with like the instrumental tracks yeah there's it's almost like the guitar is the vocalist there's oh no there's two there's two it's testify and rude mood are both instrumentals well it's kind of two and a half because like the first Two minutes of Mary had a little, or first like minute and a half, I think, is just a guitar. But I was gonna say, I thought they didn't start singing until later in that, like later in yeah. the song. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. It's like the his lead guitar is the lead vocalist. <laughs> you just kind of have to think about it like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably why "Testify" is one of. It's not my favorite. "Texas Flood" is my favorite. <laughs> on this album. Yeah, no, Texas Flood hands down. As I mentioned earlier, that riff, I could just sit there, I could play it, restart it, let's do it again, restart it, and just be mind blown every time I hear it. Can you actually play it? Can you play it, play it? <laughs> no, because it's a tuning I don't necessarily know how to get down to. Okay. Because it's, it's in, I think it's in drop D, if I remember right. Don't quote me on that. I don't know what he's but talking about, bro. It's it's an alternative tuning. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, that start of that song is wild. Um, that's if that song didn't exist though, uh, it would be between "Testify" and "Rude Mood" for me, both instrumentals. But I don't need I don't need lyrics, bro. These songs yeah. are great. Uh, I love Testify, testify uh, specifically. Testify is, pro- is my second favorite. That's got to be. I-, I think it would definitely be my second favorite. 
Um, such a such a good track, and it really. But as you, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, it really just shows you do not need words or lyrics to to provoke emotion or provoke, you know, or just to make a good song. Yeah. You d- you just don't need it. Uh, I think Test did a great job of that. I uh, I also so you said he just he hooked up one mic to each instrument, right? Yeah. I think you can definitely hear it. It has that, like, it doesn't have, like, that low-budget sound. But you can definitely tell they did not have, like, every inch of the room mic'd up. No. And actually, yeah. You can definitely tell, and actually, from what I'm reading, they kind of... They actually recorded it in a warehouse, which... I, I guess that, that makes sense. I mean, obviously, it was it would be it was mixed before they're like yeah. before it got released. So you can't like you it, you don't hear fucking massive echoes or anything like that. But, but like in for example, like the Texas flood riff, you can definitely hear the tiny bit of reverb they did leave in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I I think it adds a whole charm to the album to, to it. it. Yeah. I mean, come on! You have to be amazed by the fact. Anytime the album is made in three days. <laughs> yeah, no shit. That's and it turns out to be an incredible album. Yeah, like it just... turns out great. I mean, that as far as quality uh, produced in a short amount of time, this has to be number one. I mean, holy yeah. cow! Uh, hats off to Stevie Ray. And I mean, he wrote most of these songs. You know, I mean, yeah. Uh, he did a majority of the writing here. There's. Well, if he didn't write the songs, he had his own spin on it. So you have to write still. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, I have to construct the song. And I gotta say, I love his voice. Yeah, he's got a nice bluesy voice. Oh, he's got a very, very good voice. Uh, that yeah, he's got an exceptional voice. Um, yeah, it's a very. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the tone of the word to describe his voice, but I can't. It's like it's it's rough, but it's not gravelly. No, if that makes sense, it's it's it is hard to describe, but you you just gotta listen to him. Um, yeah, it's it's more one of those things you gotta listen to and actually hear him singing. I think the I think the fact that it was you know that mixing that we talked about earlier i think the fact that that's how it was recorded with just one microphone i think that helps his voice actually in this instance um mm-hmm. or maybe not helps it that that's not the right word but it makes it um it just makes it more interesting to listen yeah to. it makes it more authentic and yeah, yeah obviously you, anybody would sound better with you know multiple microphones and mixing happening you know right there yeah but it's cool that that de- that wasn't their goal. Right. It was just their goal to get together and fucking jam out, and they ended up making and an I, album out of it. I think that's one thing. I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. Oh boy. That is ready. one thing that I I like about this era of music, specifically more the '70s. They weren't aiming to get things perfect. You know, you had some bands that were aiming for that, but most of the time they were aiming to get an authentic feel with their music rather than, yeah. you know... The only person... You know, go ahead, go ahead. 
mainly due to like technology limits and stuff. But right, you know, yeah. it's they they like I'm gonna go back to Chicago again. Chicago would record their albums with everyone in the same room, and it was it was like a jam session. Mm-hmm. And that that and is. I mean that that that's not that's never gonna happen. Like stuff like that's not gonna happen anymore. Um, Yeah, and and even if it did, like say I don't know, I'm not even gonna try to name people, but let's just say some popular artists from today's age got together and even recorded. You know, even then they wouldn't just turn that into an album. Like they'd be like, okay. We they'd just have to that. go through and tinker it. Yeah, they tinker with it. They'd re-record it multiple times. Like, the, these are just things that they never just ca- they didn't care about in the seventies, mm-hmm. in the especially the early seventies. And it's it makes the music so much more authentic and so much more fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say they're they weren't doing it for money because it was very clear they're doing it for money. Obviously, but. yeah. You're talking out your ass if you're not doing it for money. Right. But, um, you know, it has a more... It just, it just feels more welcoming and more like, you know, you... It's perfectly imperfect. That is the cringiest shit I've ever said. <laughs> but that it perfectly describes how they did it. It does. It does. I can't argue with that. Um, it's it, it perfectly describes it. And man, uh, what an album! What a great, yeah. what a great album by these guys. Um, that is Texas Flood by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Couldn't say yeah, it's it. it's a shame Stevie Ray Vaughan didn't get to continue on. Yeah, for those who after know, the '80s. For those who do not know, uh, he died in a helicopter crash. I think it was. Yeah, it was a helicopter crash. I couldn't remember if it was plane or helicopter, but yeah in uh, 1990 so you know this this happened to a couple of great people you know unfortunate Mm -hmm. events like that but hey it's all we can do to go back and look at the great things they did right yeah i mean it he's got a hell of a legacy here right now i can tell you that Uh uh-huh i agree the guitar community goes nuts over him like just absolutely bonkers so yeah it's something else what he can do yeah but i i i couldn't recommend this album enough this is a fantastic album 100 percent. with the hat we are moving on we are we jumping still have again. one more we are jumping again into the time machine we are not done yet hold on to your hats this time we are jumping 22 years into the future and, and you're thinking what the fuck 22 wait 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 22 yeah that's wait a minute no it's 32 my bad we are 32 years going forward yeah you heard you heard that correctly this puts you right in the middle of the 2010s 2015 and you're thinking what the fuck Yep. What kind of classic rock shit are we getting in 20? I would be in middle school at this time. I don't know what I'd be doing. Probably also middle school, I guess, because we're senior. Um, but uh, yeah, this is about as far away from rock as we've gotten. 
So don't rock enthusiasts, don't get your hopes up with this 2015. For, for the reference of how the closest thing to this album is Stadium Arcadium. Yeah, that's that's the in closest. terms of time. Yeah, and that was in 2002, I think. Yeah, uh, this is 2015. We've got. Um, but anyway, anyway, uh, enough teasing. You're you wouldn't guess this in a million years. Well, okay. I don't know. This album is pretty fucking popular. This album People is might be able to guess very, this. Very popular, actually. It is by a landslide. I don't know who's second, but this is by a landslide. The most popular album we have gone over. Um, that does make yeah, sense. No. It's from it's from 2015. Um, there is a song on this album with 1.3 billion plays on Spotify. I don't know who's second. I don't care. Because I know that that's first. There's nothing yeah, I was going to say, there ain't for. nothing that we've covered that will catch that. No, not even so. close. Um, and so I'm going to let you introduce the album and the band because you introduced them to me. Alrighty, so uh, this is Current by Tame Impala. And funny enough, there is no band behind this one. There's a singular dude named Kevin Parker played every instrument on this album and made the album himself in his home studio in Australia. Yes, sir. And uh, pretty crazy that is because this album is, is actually really good. And I also want to talk about, well, I say we get into the track listings and then I'll talk about, okay. um, we will talk about our thoughts. So, uh, I'll go ahead and read side one if I can find it. I guess I don't even know if this would be categorized on sides. It's this so doesn't weird. have sides. I was going to say, this is this won't have sides on it, actually. Okay, well, I'm just going to do our classic cut it down the middle. Um, yeah, okay. You know, us listening to old music. That's kind of... I prefer it that way. Yeah, that's how we prefer but, it. So, track one is Let It Happen, then Nangs, The Moment, Yes, I'm Changing, Eventually, and Gossip. And uh, side two will be The Less I Know the Better, Past Life, Disciples, Cause I'm a Man, Reality in Motion, Love, Paranoia, and then New Person, Same Old Mistakes. And uh, a lot of good songs on this album, I think. Uh, I would, I, I would, let's talk about the album in general or as a whole. And the fact that this is yeah. very much not uh, prog rock or classic rock, or it's really not no. rock. Um, but it has it has little moments where it is rock, and I would even argue it has somewhat like there's. It just has so many bits that are more rock reminiscent that I thought it'd be a an interesting one to cover because you yeah. know it's. It's so far out of the range, but it's still there. It's hanging on by a thread. It has got it. Yeah. Um, this is your like. It, this is like. This is my black sheep. Yeah, like this. This is this, this song is, crazy. is this album is one of those things where I would have never guessed I would have liked it. Yeah. And in it, fact, up until like three weeks ago, I didn't even know this album existed. That's true too. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's for those who are wondering. Crazy. It's like a I would describe it as like some 
weird, like, lo-fi synth, like, psychedelic pop. Like I would say it's also got, like, I'd say it's also synth pop, too. It's definitely has, it has, like, a yeah. hint of, like, the 80s with that synth yes. sound that he yes. always has, it seems like. Um, it's, it is a, it is a weird, weird thing for you to like. That's all, that's, that's just, yeah. it's, I, but I do agree that it does have enough rock in it to be interesting to somebody like you, I guess. I mean, I would, I wouldn't yeah. have guessed it, but there are elements that make it what it is, I guess. Um, now I will say with an album like this, um, distinguishing tracks, individual tracks can be a little bit hard. Um, mm. Especially there- when it's something that, to me, the tracks can kind of bleed together. Yes. I think that's just how modern music is because it's, you know, it's it's a different time. Right. But um, um I I will yeah. say. It starts with "Let It Happen." That's a great start. Nice eight-minute introduction there. And I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna spoil it and say uh, "Let It Happen" is my favorite one. You uh, think so? That I believe it's like six minutes and ten seconds in. That guitar fill he plays is fucking awesome. See, it just and I mean, seriously and. I think he uses an octave pedal on his guitar. I can play it on my bass. I mean, it's huh. it's just such a fun and cool fill that he uses. Um, I I completely agree. Um, I I like how it the final track, "New Person, Same Old Mistakes." Again, great way mm-hmm. to end an album. Uh, all three of these yeah. albums, I would have to say, actually, really know how to end off strong. Um. Not not having any any filler points or any dead mm-hmm. you know dead tracks or anything like that. Um, I yeah, think, I agree. I hundred percent agree. Yeah, yeah. There's no point. There's no slowing down in this album either. And uh, after let it happen, I, I think, think Nangs is a very a very quick one, very quick track, very fast paced. Um, yeah. But I think my favorite uh, portion. I guess I would say, of this album is actually not the the beginning. I like from uh, the less I know, the better, uh, all the way to "Cause I'm a Man." Uh, so that includes yeah. past life and disciples in between there. Mm-hmm. I can I can see that. Uh, it's. I I I agree with you. I still think "Let It Happen" is my favorite song, but I think if I were to pick a portion, I think I'd go the same route. Honestly, I think that portion is really good. I think it's very good, and again, I you know you asked me to, to point out where one song ends and one song begins. I might not be able to do that, but uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's so many good parts, uh, especially in that section that I just pointed out. That I don't. It doesn't really matter to me. I guess where each track like like the differentiating of each tracks like this album to me is just 50 minutes of great music yeah 
It really is. I mean, and what's even better is I think I, I might have picked up like a little bit of a theme in the album, too. Because a lot of the stuff that happens in this album is like daily life stuff. Like, I know for sure Let It Happen talks about um, letting things go that you can't control, which, again, is life, it's pretty life. much. Um, and I think I think that kind of applies to the rest of the album. Uh, I can think of uh, Yes, I'm Changing more mm-hmm. daily, like daily life stuff in that. I mean, the title itself. Um, gossip self-explanatory um i can't i think uh love and paranoia actually towards the end there and then new Mm -hmm. person same old mistakes yeah i completely agree with you i think i actually like that i like that theme um yeah which it's it sounds like a really basic theme but i think the way it's played here is really nice and i think you know you can look at all of these and at least relate to them in some way. Yeah. Because they're just, they're so everyday things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, simplicity can often be criticized, but I think that in this case, this the, the topic is interesting enough and relatable enough um, that you can't, you are able to extract emotions from the listener with your you know with your sounds and the lyrics that you're singing to to sort of be able to like like to get the to get the listener engaged more like if you're if somebody's imagine like somebody's talking about something you don't care about at all you're not really going to listen but if somebody mm-hmm. talks about something that you have interest in you're going to listen i just, yeah you kind of got to sugarcoat it a little bit yeah um Obviously, it's it's a bit of a simple topic, but it's better than a lot of topics that are uh, that are in themes throughout albums nowadays. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. so to find something that is somewhat relatable and somewhat interesting to listen to is, uh, I think it's a good. Uh, it was a good decision by uh, Kevin Parker. Yeah, and and now that I think about it. This even, I think this album is about relationships specifically. Hmm. Because. I mean, it can go either way, really. Uh, yeah, it can go either way. But, like. Specifically, like. Love and Paranoia could definitely be applied to relationships simply off the title alone. Mm hmm. Um, and then you know you got the less I know the better, which is about a girl. His girl seeing his girl with, I think the dude's name is Trevor. I think I don't know, uh, I don't remember. But yeah, I think it can even be zoomed in even further, yeah. which is kind of wild to me. But yeah, I think this. I think you put it perfectly that this album does it in the most simple way. But it, you know, the way Kevin Parker did it was it was so relatable that it's just like wow, mm-hmm. like. This is everyday life just sugarcoated into an album? Into an album, pretty much. I, I think the way you're putting yours in the word sugarcoated is key here because it's not forced down your throat. It's just no. It's it's a layer. It's just a it's just a layer of the album. You can listen to this album 
like I can and just enjoy the music. Like yeah, you don't. It's not deep or anything. Like it's just it's just a topic that he chose to write his lyrics about. It doesn't change mm-hmm. anything that the instrumentals are doing or anything like that. So you know you can still. It, it's not. I think it's a, that's very important that it's not jumping out at you and trying to you know gnaw your gnaw yeah. your ears out with stuff with a certain topic like that. It's just a layer of what is a good album. It's it's more like lulling you in. Or, like, luring you in. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah. I uh, I completely agree. And that, uh, this is a, um, we've, we talked about Texas Flood earlier and the incredible, you know, stuff they did in three days. Just those three guys with those three instruments. And you have to admit, um, it took Kevin Parker a while. Obviously not three days. I'm sure it took him probably a yeah. couple of years. I mean, I can look it up right now. Um, I think it was... I mean, I'm I guess sure. I don't really know. I'm sure it took. Yeah, recorded from 2012 oh, yeah. to 2015. So it took three years. Yeah, and I'm sure he was doing live stuff in between there. So you know, it. it but I mean, it's okay. Nobody's gonna be able to do what fucking Stevie Ray Vaughan did. Um, well, and if I if I remember right, this was the first album that Tame Impala was him, like just him alone. Oh, okay. Because I think, I think I read some. I think I read about Tame Impala where they had band members, I think the first two albums. Yeah. And then this one, I don't remember why they parted ways, I guess. It was probably creative differences. But uh, I know this one was the first one he was by himself. So he also kind of had to, you know, you know stuff when you're a musician going into the studio, but it's it's kind of another ball game to be doing that by yourself. Yeah. Like, very very different uh, ball game there. A lot different because you don't have you don't have other people to bounce ideas off, and you kind of have it's to just more of, go with what you think is, you know, with what your gut yeah. says is correct, and and that could be you know it could be fucking incredible, and it could be sound totally awful. Yeah, and when there's not when you don't have somebody there by your side to help you with that, it's mm-hmm. much more difficult. But he he nailed it. He's a genius. Yeah, uh, he did. No, no sugarcoating that there. Uh, he's 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 incredible, and obviously everybody thinks that he's got so many downloads, so many plays on Spotify. Yeah, so. that that one billion. What song is that? That's just one song. That's uh, what is? Is it less I know the better? Yeah, that's got to be it. Okay, yeah, I figured. It yeah, it is. But yeah, that's just one track. <laughs> yeah that's just one track the rest if you added up the rest of these you'd probably get to around two and a half billion total plays and that's just this one album so he's making a hell of a hell of a name for himself yeah no it's it's incredible yeah what he did by himself very very good and uh, that is Currents uh, by Tame Impala yes, or Kevin Parker um, great cover art by the way very very good cover yeah i mentioned it earlier uh i didn't even know that was a cover art until it came on the radio when we were driving i was like oh (laughs) i thought it was just like a painting or something (laughs) (laughs) i mean it could fucking go uh, into the the louvre with how fucking cool it looks dude it's it's awesome looking yeah no it's really cool i don't really know what it's supposed to be i don't care (laughs) 
It's just yeah, it's it's a ball being drugged through currents. Yeah, it's making currents. <laughs> it's making currents, man. But that is gonna do it for today. We did Brave Belt, we did Texas Flood by Stevie Ray Vaughan, and we did Currents by Tame and Paula. Um Yes sir. We this was a fun episode to make. Uh, this was I to. I really liked the broad range we did. Holy cow, we um, did crazy different genres, we did crazy different eras, we did so many different things in just these three albums. If, if Currents didn't have any of those elements in it, I would have stayed away from it, but I, I noticed it had some. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to, you know, I kind of wanted to challenge my listening and all that, and I think it did a good job doing that. I, I was, it, I, it, it shocked me that I like this album. I could not believe, like, when you sent me this album, I thought you sent, like, I genuinely thought you sent me the wrong album. <laughs> like, I thought there was no way in hell that what I was listening to was gonna be some, was something that you would have, that you were listening to and you were liking. Like, it's just so, it is so different. Um, you have to give it a listen. I mean, you you just have to give it a listen. I mean, and yeah, so, no, hundred percent. You probably have already given it a listen. It's very popular. Um, yeah, it, it, you've probably heard a song on TikTok. Yeah, I'm sure. That too. Um, but that is it. Yeah, Texas Flood as well. Brave Belt, obviously. All three of these albums today, man, these were amazing. All bangers. All bangers, and I, I, it's gonna be hard putting these. Uh, anywhere lower than like a top 10 on our 30 list which yeah, will I know. be coming soon we have one more episode to make uh, hopefully we are going to be more consistent here as summer is wrapping up and school is starting we yeah. should get on to a more consistent schedule here uh, in the coming life weeks is kind of, uh, life just kind of gets in the way sometimes and this I, I miss this and this was an incredible episode to uh, start out with i'm afraid our next one afraid i'm afraid it's gonna like not you know this is such high expectations to me with these three yeah we'll find a way we'll do it we always do um, yeah no i i enjoy making these they you know i always challenge myself by listening to new music but it, it makes me pay attention to the themes and stuff even more when I do these, and I like that because you know I'm I'm a big progressive rock guy, so I I like looking into the themes of things. I like you know looking in to see how the instrumentation matches what theme they're going with, and you know yeah. just makes me pay attention more. Yeah, uh, incredible stuff uh, today, and hopefully more incredible stuff in the future. But for now. That is going to do it for today's episode of Classic Rock Talk. Hope you guys enjoyed, and we will see you guys next time. Peace. Mm -hmm.